0: Turn with me, and for a few minutes, I want to direct your attention to the book of Genesis, the story of us, which is the story of Scripture, Genesis chapter 12. We looked at Adam last week, and today we look at Abraham. And I want to direct your attention to Genesis chapter 12. Everything that has happened today just kind of uh, sets up the message. And so now let me continue the message. Verse 1 of Genesis 12 says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. There's promise number one. I will bless you and make you famous. Promise number two. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. Here's promise three. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Amazing promises. I will make you into a great nation. I will make you famous, and every family of the earth will be blessed because of you. The irony is, Abraham had no children, name recognition, and was beyond the years to have a child. So this is an amazing look at how God works. Isn't it something how God gives us a promise? And often we will take that promise of God to us and call it God's dream for us. We will use the word vision, God's vision. God gave Jason a promise, a dream, a vision. That's what he did for Abraham. But life happens. And as life happens, the promise begins to shrink or downsize or be compressed to the size of the present circumstance and we say how will this ever happen could we even put ourselves in Abraham's shoes receiving these three promises and say but God my present circumstance would say none of these promises can come true when Jason said in my office and declared the promise of God to him we were willing to have faith but very willing to say how will this happen And if we aren't careful, we will let an acknowledgement of reality become a message of discouragement that downsizes the dream. Is there a workable lead at holding to the promise while we're waiting to see it happen? Can you imagine David, who was anointed to be king, and he spent years running and hiding? Cave after cave, how often did he think, okay, God, I am anointed to be king. Your promise is that I'm going to be the king, and I'm hiding in a cave. It doesn't look, Lord, like it's going to happen. And the dream, how easily for it to shrink, how easy for the promise to be shelved and let present circumstance sow in such a discouragement that we give up. We just kind of take the promise, the dream, the vision, put it in a drawer, and we shut the drawer and say, I guess that wasn't God. What can we learn from Abraham? Look over with me, please, to Genesis 13. And I'll begin reading at verse 14, and we'll see how the Lord worked and how Abraham responded that gives us the workable lead of holding to the promise until we see it happen. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can. Look and see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am giving all the land as far as you can see to you and to your descendants as a permanent possession. Here's the NIV. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are. That's very important. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Look north. Look to the south, look east, look west. And all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. One way God resources our heart to hold to the promise is to keep challenging our present perspective. Because circumstance would shape a perspective to say to our hearts and minds, it's not going to happen. So the Spirit of God comes along continually. In 12, he says to Abraham, here are the promises. In chapter 13, God has a way of saying now, you're losing focus. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Don't let the vision shrink. As far as you can see, north, south, east, and west, I am going to give it to you. Isn't it amazing how circumstance can shrink the vision? If you look over with me in Genesis 15, another passage that I want you to see. Look at Genesis 15, verse 5. Same process. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. You see the process of God continuing to come and remind him of the promise and try to alter his perspective. In Genesis 15, he says, Come outside of your tent abraham look up he's going to give him a new perspective you see as long as he stayed in that current place uh it was confining and shrinking his vision he he needed to recalibrate he needed to refocus so that he would once again hold to the promise i find that we are often calibrated for the very result we are getting if you want a different perspective, you may have to talk to some new people or different people. You may have to feed some new information into your heart. There are certain steps that we take while we're waiting on the promise of God to happen. I'm not asking you to deny reality. Even in Genesis 15, Abram is willing to say, God, I, I, I don't have a son. I'm too old to have a son. And yet in Genesis 15, it says, Yet Abraham believed. Hear me, I'm not getting into that weird stuff where I would ask you to deny reality. He has had very real challenges in planting this church, never denied those realities, while still holding to the promise that God was able. $54,000, that's a reality. To ignore it is to miss what God was doing. But yet... To shrink back in discouragement as if God can't handle that would also be wrong. So it was very important in that time frame who Jason would talk to so that it feeds the faith and not the fear. What he listens to so that it feeds the faith and not the fear because his role is to believe it's God's job to provide. Discouragement has a way of pulling our focus downward. He he says here to Abram, look look up or look beyond. Look at the stars. Count them. Well, you can't count them. God is using that to say that's like my promise. There's far more within the promise that I've made to you than you could ever imagine. It is exceeding and abundantly above anything that you could ask or think. Just believe. Just believe. You have to look Beyond, You have to look beyond circumstance. We have to look beyond checkbook. We have to look beyond what others say is possible. We have to look beyond our own assumptions. Because in certain circumstances, like Abraham, the assumption is this can't happen. But we have to look beyond some of those assumptions. What did, what did you set out on the promise of God to do? And yet it hasn't taken root. The, the plan hasn't caught traction You've been believing over a relationship and it's still dysfunctional and broken and you're having to look beyond. You're having to look beyond the way it is right now. When he's there at the house trying to plant a church, he had to look beyond that he had no connections there and look beyond that resources were meager. He had to look beyond that it was a very hard place historically to plant a dynamic church. He had to look beyond present circumstance. Checkbook and assumptions. The same is for you in seeing the promise of God happen for your life. Henry Ford looked beyond the assumption that all people ever wanted to do was being a horse and a buggy. The Wright brothers looked beyond the assumption that people would never get on an airplane. Abraham Lincoln looked beyond the assumption that this nation would be content with a a racial divide, and so he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Even tomorrow, we will revere a a definite hero who who looked beyond the divide in this country and and the lack of civil rights in this country, and it was him, he looked beyond the assumptions of people, and he said, "I, I have a dream of a day where people would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their Character. He had to look way beyond the assumptions and the circumstance of the present time. It is Joshua and Caleb who said, yes, there's a river to cross and walled cities that are fortified and giants in the land. But they looked beyond the present reality to the promise of God and said, but we can do this. But they had to look up and look beyond what is it in your vision right now that would seek to limit you or discourage you that God is calling you to look beyond in order to see his promise. It was David who was told, you cannot defeat this giant. The three principal players, the king, his brothers, and the giant, all said to David, you can't do it. That was their assumption. David looked beyond those assumptions and says, the same God who gave me the lion and the bear is going to bring this giant down. And he believed. We have that story because a man held to the promise of God. Isn't it interesting what and who at times we choose to believe? God created the world in all of its brilliance and detail And complexity. It is God who did things like part the Red Sea. Made the water turn into wine. Shut the mouths of the lions. It it was God who had his own son born of a virgin. It was God who raised his son from the dead. And the chains of death were broken. And the stone was rolled away. Why wouldn't we let him determine what is possible? Let that get in your heart today. Don't let what your checkbook says, what others say, what circumstances say, what the culture says be the determining factor of what you believe. Let's let the one who is supernatural, who has a track record of showing up when our backs are against the wall. Let's let that God determine what is possible. Abraham finally gives birth to Isaac when he was 100 years old. Now, that's far from a nation. Isaac gives birth to a couple of sons, but the famous one is Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, so now we're on our way. And they all end up in Egypt. And in Egypt, they multiplied like rabbits. And now God has a nation. But Pharaoh is threatened by all of those people. And he says, they're going to overtake us. So he takes them into captivity. And now this, this promise that looks like it was about to happen is now called into slavery. And mind you, Abraham's dead now. I will make from you a great nation. I will make your name famous and every family of the earth will be blessed because of you he's now dead and and finally there seems to be a nation it's brought into captivity because god is such an amazing god he had to set things up so that as he worked the way he was about to work no one could deny that god was the god of all gods but 400 years they were in slavery See, I want to pray today and receive, thank you, yesterday. See, I don't want to wait, and and sometimes the waiting period makes me question the promise. I want you to see this today, that God is good on his promise, but he has his schedule. We've often said it, he's never late. He's missed several opportunities to be early. (laughs) He's always on time. His time. And the challenge is, can I I relax in that? Now, you heard me read to you the three promises. Every one of you had heard of Israel before you ever came in here. That's the nation that God was talking about. We all have heard of it. We have all heard of Abraham way before this sermon. Promise to his name is great. His name is famous. And all the families of the earth would be blessed because even in Genesis, as Abraham believes, they then sacrifice an animal, cut a covenant. Blood is shed that forms a covenant that is pointing to a day when Jesus would be the sacrifice and his blood shed. Redemptive history, all of which God did so that every family of the earth would be blessed. All Three promises have come true. God will always be good by his promise. The question is, can we trust him? It's like Agnes, who went to her authority and said, I have a dream. I want to build an orphanage. I want to help people. They said, What do you have? She said, Three pennies. He said, You can't, you can't build a dream out of that kind of resource you certainly can't build an orphanage with three pennies too many years later she's receiving the Nobel Peace Prize and in her talk at the Nobel award ceremony she said it's amazing what God can do with three pennies and they didn't call Agnes to the platform no they inscribed her name of affection Mother Teresa all she had was a promise. And look how God continues to make good on that promise. Jason sat in front of me and all he had was a promise. And now look at all that was contained within that promise. And I'm so thankful that he, he didn't quit, give up, shrink back. But he continued to trust and to trust big, believe big because the promise was big far more than we could even ask or think and so so now just weeks away from having their own church home and not have to take up chairs and extension cords and projectors and sound equipment and nursery cribs, it can now stay and that was contained in the promise when God wrote it on his heart all Robert's in the prime of his ministry. He had fallen into a deep sleep one night and he had this dream and he saw this huge warehouse. He walked into the warehouse and he saw all this amazing activity that had been fully experienced, projects accomplished, lives changed. And, and so Oral says to God, hey, what's all that in the warehouse? And, and God said, Oral, it's all that I want to do through you if you'll just be willing to ask. And so Oral made it one of his life mantras that he would live to empty the warehouse. I ask you today, what is in front of you that causes you to struggle in trusting God about, for, concerning, what is it? I think we need to pray today for our trust. Not, is God trustworthy? So many messages will be on how to trust God. How to trust God. Good, biblical messages. Today is about an awesome God who wants to say, can he trust us? Because if he can trust us, he can give some huge promises. That are far more. Those are the words of Ephesians. He is able to do far more than we could even ask or think. This is the God of far more than anything we could imagine. If He can just find servants to trust. I've met a small group of people on my journey that really would take God at His promise and just be radical in their trust. And I've watched God be radical in his provision. Amazing, truly far more. And I believe that this church is called to trust at a level that demands faith, that will persevere. That's why we talked about standing. Standing until we see the provision of God and to know that we're part of an unfolding story and that the legacy is going to be watched over and stewarded by God and that even after we're gone because of our willingness to trust should the Lord hold His coming for a hundred years what's happening right now with you and your family that's putting something in place to where tens of thousands and generations after generations it was not just these this home, these hotels and this building there are generations in the promise generations in the promise that God has given you church let's trust God let's believe and keep believing let's walk in faith until we're willing to speak to the future That's when you get bold and radical and you begin to speak those things that aren't as though they are because you know God has spoken to you. Oh, for a shepherd to come out of the field and say, he's the God of the battle and this giant is coming down. One like Moses who would say, oh, just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. And he has the audacity to raise his staff as if that was some kind of strategy to stack up the water on the left and the right. Oh, for a Daniel who would say, I don't care what the culture's doing, I will not bend, I will not capitulate my standards of serving God and loving God and seeking the face of God. Oh, for a Shadrach and a Meshach and a Bendigo who would say, Be it known unto you this day, O king, that our God is well able. But they were those of a, some if not faith. But if not, you need to know we will not bow. Oh, for that kind of resolve, for that kind of faith. If you and I can open our hearts to let faith grow, we will please God. If someday we're running 10,000, we'll never be judged by that. When we stand before God, he's going to judge us on the level of faith that was operative within our church. He'll not say, you're on attendance growth, well done, good job. No, he's going to look at the measure of faith and the hope that we have that motivated our labor of love. That is the church. And written over us is a huge promise. A huge promise. What's the promise you're trying to hold to today? What would it be that causes you to struggle? What are you having a hard time trusting God about? That's what I want to pray about. Let's pray right now. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement. Abraham's story is the story of us. There's a promise over every life. And today you're reminding us that you're trustworthy. We just need to trust. And may you be able to trust us with the promise.